Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Hello listeners, it's Trish Hammond here again from Transforming Bodies. And today I've got the absolute delightful joy to be speaking to Dr. Mark Genotsis. And he's actually based in Sydney around Randwick, um, actually at Prince of Wales Private Hospital in, in Randwick. And today we're going to have a bit of a chat about the treatments that he um, does and how he started and what kind of brought him about to be a plastic surgeon and why he loves what he does. So welcome Dr. Genotsis. Thank you, Trish. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. It's a pleasure. Lovely. So tell me, you're, you know, you've obviously been doing this for a few few years now. Like, how did you pick plastic surgery, or did plastic surgery pick you? Like, how did you know and when? Uh, look, I think like a lot of these things, you know, they pick you a little bit in that the sort of uh, medical specialty one that one enters into uh, is largely dictated, I think, by your personality and to a degree your experience uh, with them. Um, I was very surgically focused from relatively early on, but had a few options of what to pursue. I was initially going to undertake orthopaedic surgery, but then did a plastic surgical term and was captivated by the sort of intricacy of the procedures, um, particularly with microsurgery, but also the fact that not all of your procedures or all of your procedures aren't just a, um, a cookie cutter type uh, approach, whereas you've got to have an individual approach for each of your patients. There's not a formula necessarily as there are in lots of other surgical procedures. So for the one problem, you might have a number of different potential solutions that you've got to establish is what is the best for your individual patient. And that goes for both reconstructive but also for cosmetic surgical sort of procedures. So yeah, that was what captivated me really about the, uh, the specialty early on. And I guess that that's so true because like plastic surgery is not just one thing. You actually have a whole uh, plethora of things that you can actually treat, like rain, ranging from what we were talking about before, craniofacial stuff for, for babies and hand surgery and aesthetic surgery. So it's a whole like broad, you can't get bored. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very wide-ranging sort of specialty, and it's more a technique which is applied to lots of different things. So, yeah, as you say, um, in the paediatric or child population, uh, I run the craniofacial unit at Sydney Children's Hospital, and in that we treat children with largely with misshapen heads and faces, with premature fusion of the bones of the skull, which can give children both an unusual uh, appearing skull but can also have implications with regard to the development of pressure within the brain. So there are functional aspects of it, but also the aesthetics of that in children is in a sense a functional matter as well, because it's how they interact with their peers. And that's a really important matter to address for them. So, you know, it encompasses a lot of the things that we do within plastic surgery. And as you say, there's lots of different other uh, specialties within uh, plastic surgery, um, hand surgery, both paediatric and adult, um, aesthetic surgery, general reconstructive surgery. 
skin cancer surgery is a big part of most people's practice and, and part of mine. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a widely ranging field, but uses the same sort of principles in all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what, and on that as well, it's like I'm, I'm having a look at all of the awards that you've actually got, like you've got a, a million different awards and they're, they're all for completely different things. Like, so you're, you're, am I right in that your career started in 1985? Oh, well, look, I graduated from medical school in the late 80s and I went into uh, basic training for an intern and then you're a resident. I was lucky enough to get onto a re- surgical uh, uh, training program fairly early on, did some general surgery um, and then entered into the plastic surgical training program, went to Melbourne to start that out and was lucky enough to work with um, some terrific people down there. Um, I guess m- most of my work down there was with a fellow called Ian Taylor, who's one of the real giants of plastic surgery in this country, but also internationally, um, both from his clinical, but also and was a great uh, he's a real giant of plastic surgery I feel very fortunate to have been able to work with him, but also lots of other people in Melbourne in my training, and then I returned to complete my training here in Sydney at Prince of Wales and at the Children's Hospital. Um, Followed the fellowship training at North Shore, New York University Hospital, lots of plastic surgery really, um, in Joe McCarthy, and I uh, gained a lot out of that, both clinically and also from a research viewpoint, working in craniofacial, but also in cosmetic surgery uh, there. And then I returned and took up positions at Prince of Wales, the Children's Hospital and the Royal Hospital for Women and started up my busy private practice as well and uh, also in the research lab and have done till now um, the craniofacial and plastic surgery research lab which is associated with the University of New South Wales both the Prince of Wales and Sydney Children. So, you know, a big, a broad ranging uh, training and also a career and practice yeah and you know it, it um just having that chat before like with the with the work that you do do with children and i and i guess because you go from children like it must be really crazy like you go from treating a child um who's got some sort of fusion and then and then maybe the next day you're treating you know a cosmetic person who wants like a nose job or something like that like it, it, it's just like yeah. there's many different well, you know there are, there are different aspects and there's sort of different hats you wear, but as I said, you're really, you're really wearing the same hat and applying those skills and techniques to different procedures. And a familiarity in craniofacial surgery certainly gives you a great familiarity uh, in the anatomy and um, applied surgery, the face and forehead region and the nose. So, you know, I'm doing all sorts of procedures on those areas. It's not just cosmetic rhinoplasty that I would be doing, but you know, having a, 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 a deep knowledge of 
craniofacial surgery certainly makes approaches to these things, um, I, I think, more rounded. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's greater facility for doing those sorts of things with that that uh, that sort of knowledge in that field. So they are, uh, there is a bit of cross-pollination between them. And so those skills can be applied to both things and I think makes you better at both of them. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And, and, and on that as well, like I, I've been reading the story about one of your patients who's also your close friend now, who's a young um, artist called Stella Jackson and she was inspired to paint you. Can you tell us a little bit about Stella's story? And like, because you've obviously yeah. known her since she was like three weeks old and how old is she now? Stella is now 15. Wow. Um, and yeah, I've known her since she was, really since she was born. And she was significantly affected by a craniofacial um, malformation in which one side of her face did not develop as the other side had. It affected her jaw, both upper and lower jaw, but also affected uh, her cheek and her eye and her face in entirety on that side, as well as her ear. Um, and she had a number of other things which were associated with that. And she is really a remarkable young lady and with her parents who are equally remarkable um, has turned into a very fine young lady and she has had a number of procedures over the years and probably the biggest of those was when we reconstructed her jaw on the on that side using the bone from the hip is what we call a free tissue transfer or a free flap and what that means is that body part, that is the hip, <clears throat> which mimics the jaw very closely in its anatomical form, can be raised, that is lifted from the body, but with the blood supply to that. So there is an artery which runs to that uh, bone and a vein that comes from it. And that can then be uh, re joined or anastomosed as we say to blood vessels in the neck which means that that bone is immediately alive and stays alive and will grow with her and that's what has happened um, and that made a very big difference to her both from a functional but also importantly from an aesthetic viewpoint she still has a facial difference and she really is a, a great ambassador for that and um, uh, is leading a very full life and as you said is quite a talented young artist and I was very touched when she asked whether she could paint me for the Young Archibald Award and um, I'd actually put her in contact with a friend of mine who is a very fine portrait painter and he'd helped her um, really formulate her ideas and get her thoughts on canvas. Oops. Mm. I did a person 
I'm sure we'll continue to go on to two great things. Great. We had a little bit of a hiccup in the audio there. I'm not quite sure the it didn't didn't quite um, capture all of that. So, oh, if I ask you some questions, forgive me. Okay. So, one thing, I, I mean, yeah. the last bit I caught was the fact that you put her in touch with a friend of yours who was a portrait painter, and and they kind of taught her a bit a bit more as well. Is that right? Yeah. Well, really help. Yeah. No, this friend of mine who's a very accomplished portrait artist and has been in the Archibald for many years, uh, amongst uh, lots of other uh, artistic endeavours, really helped her to formulate her ideas um, and to develop some of them and gave her tips and spent a fair bit of time with her, just helping her get what she wanted to and the sense of it onto canvas, um, which she did in a very accomplished way. Oh, look, I, I love it. I'm just looking at it here and I love it. And I love what she says, like, you, you know, you've obviously become very good friends with her, which is just, you know, absolutely beautiful, makes my heart sing. But she says that you can see that he's a good person, his hands are magic, but what you don't see is his kind and generous heart. And that's what she sees. I love that. I love Stella. Yeah, she's look, just, she's, yeah. she's a, yeah, she is. She's a very special young lady. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I you know what, and what I really like is I, I love the fact that because like over the, you know, the last however many years, you know, people align plastic surgery with, you know, big lips, big breasts and just, you, you know, aesthetic stuff. And, and really true plastic surgery, nothing could be further from the truth because that is really the cosmetic surgery. But the real plastic surgery is this stuff that kind of, I mean, it all changes lives, but, you know. People could not live a, norm, a normal life without, you know, the the magic, I guess, that um, guys like you create, really. Guys and, and men and women, actually, not guys like you, but men and women can create. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's, look, I think that's hard to do so. I, I think that, you know, all these sort of procedures done in the right manner and for the right reasons do change people's lives to a greater or lesser degree. And I think that probably Stella's a very dramatic um, example of that sort of thing. But it can be equally personally important and dramatic for a young person having a rhinoplasty or having a breast reduction because those are uh, very significant or can be very significant impediments for that person themselves. So they're not completely different. They're on different parts of that spectrum of a pr surgical approach, if you like. That's so true because, I mean, I was just talking to a lady today and I myself have had a rhinoplasty and a breast reduction. I, I sound like a, a operation junkie, but, <laughs> but um, I know how much they both did change my life in totally different ways. You know, one was for the breathing and one was for the fact of not carrying around an extra 10 kilos of, you know, breast tissue around you around your chest and your shoulders and all that yeah. so you're absolutely right when you no, say that's that so. but it's also it's also importantly about how you feel about yourself and i think that's the key to all of these things um yeah, that and that's what drives a lot of these things as yeah. well well that's true well look i wanted to ask you so so i know that you do lots of work in the um with children so can you give us a little bit of a rundown of the procedures that you do well, like um, in your clinic, like I know you do the range of um, 
face procedures. Can you tell us a little bit about the face procedures that you offer? Yeah, look, I, I do a lot of facial cosmetic sort of procedures. We'll do blepharoplasty or eyelid surgery, brow lift surgery. Um, and as I said, rhinoplasty is one of my particular interests, which I do do a lot of. Um, I do a lot of face and neck lift and facial rejuvenation uh, surgery. Um, and as I said, they sort of marry in with my craniofacial background in particular. Um, in children, we also do otoplasty or bat ear type procedures to set ears back, which are overly prominent and that are the source of teasing for a lot of children as well. So broad range of uh, facial sort of procedures um you know i also do a lot of skin cancers and skin cancers are most commonly seen in the face uh, so we do a lot of that as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i noticed as well you do you do structural fat grafting can you explain yes. what that's about because like well, structural fat grafting is is something that's been around for quite some time i guess it's becoming coming to vogue a little more of recent times. What it entails is taking fat basically from another part of the body using a type of liposuction, often used with a small syringe rather than a large liposuction um, equipment. And that fat is then treated and separated so it is just the fat. And then the fat is carefully injected into the face, generally speaking, to augment areas which are deficient either through um, age or potentially sometimes through trauma or sometimes through um, congenital uh, reasons that is someone doesn't have a particularly prominent cheekbone um, it can be augmented using structural fat grafting and so it's injected in very fine little uh, threads in a matrix in different planes so that the fat which is injected has its best chance of um, being retained. Mm -hmm. And the advantage of, of the uh, structural fat grafting is that it's your own tissue. It's not like some of the synthetic fillers which need to be uh, redone. Mm -hmm. um, generally speaking, when the fat grafting takes that will be retained in the long term. Now, it doesn't all take, and it can mean that on occasion it needs to be redone, there needs to be a little touch-up uh, to get the volume that you're really after. Um, but it is the natural tissue which is in the plane into which it is injected, um, and as I said, it is your own tissue. It is a bit more of an undertaking than a simple filler injection, but uh, for lots of people, that equation uh, rings true and it, and, it, and it works well for them. Mm -hmm. And so, so, for example, if someone was to have a, um, a facelift and part of that was to fill in certain parts of the face with, with fat, that's kind of where you, yep. you'd put it? Yeah, we'd often, we'd often do it in concert with a facelift as well, where we can add some volume with the fat injection at the same time as that surgical procedure. Uh, and it's also used um, quite commonly in the lower eyelid area uh, in place of an open surgical procedure or in concert with that. So it can be used either on its own concert with other sorts of operations. Mm -hmm. oh, awesome. And... So that kind of so you kind of do everything with the face. Um, you also do breast work. 
Yeah, no, I do a lot of breastwork. I do a lot of breast reduction, a lot of breast lift, um, breast augmentation, um, and uh, and breast reconstruction. So you know, I have, have you know big practice in in those things, mm-hmm. and uh, you know familiarity for some time in those. Um, yeah, and they're similarly sorts of things that make difference to people's lives um, yeah. on a daily basis yeah for different reasons absolutely and do you do explant surgery as well implant yes, removal yes I do and yeah I, and I think we're seeing a lot more in yeah. relatively recent times with the discussions around atypical large cell lymphoma and its link to uh, textured implants and um, so I think that that is going to be something that is probably going to be more of a surgical uh, endeavour. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's so true. We're yeah, finding, going forward. Yeah, yeah, we're finding as well people are asking more about, you know, who does explants and, and also yeah. um, some do a complete capsulectomy where they remove the capsule and some... Doctors believe that may, you know, not necessarily be, you know, the best thing for that person. So I guess it's an individual. It is very individual. You've got to, you've got to work out why the patient is having it done. You've got to work out what the clinical situation and scenario is. Sometimes there is a very limited capsule there. Sometimes that capsule is very thick, mm-hmm. um, and it just depends on the individual situation as to how much of that capsule is appropriate to be removed. But the other matter is that, as I say to my patients. It's not always the actual risk of um, a problem such as atypical large cell lymphoma, which is numerically very small for most types of uh, implants, particularly the micro-textured implants. So it's not so much always the actual risk, but it's the perceived risk in the mind of the patient. And I think for some people, a very small risk is inconsequential but for others, it's intolerable. Mm-hmm. And so that your approach will be a little different in those different patients. They both get exactly the same information about uh, the science behind what's going on as best we know it at this point. But different people will act upon that in different ways and need to be guided through that process. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true because um, people will, someone said to them, you absolutely have to have, you know, and block catch that, and it's not necessarily true in each case. So I think, um, yeah. you know, I think it's really important for people wanting to do that to actually listen to both, you know, you know, to why you should or, or you know, why they would with you or why they wouldn't, and actually, you know, go with a surgeon that you trust and, and actually take their advice. I think that's always the best way. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that's so, uh, but I think it's always important to listen to the patient and what their real concerns are. Yeah, that's absolutely true too. Well, look, I've got to say, I know you do a bunch of other procedures. Well, you got you know your body work, your, you know the men as well, and skin and um, paediatric and the general surgery. So, you know, um, how many years have you actually been a plastic surgeon? Uh, I've been a practicing plastic surgeon for uh, over twenty years. I was lucky enough to. Um, graduate fairly early on so at the age of 30 I was a, um, a VMO plastic surgeon so I was 
plastic oh, surgeon. Oh, that is young. Plastic surgeon. Yeah, because it's about so, 40 normally, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's about 40. Well, yeah, look, these days it tends to be a little bit, yeah. uh, a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to start up fairly early in that. And so I've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Awesome. And look, it's so, so good. It's been so great to speak with you um, today. Uh, thank you so much for your time to talk to us. That's a pleasure. Thank you for yours. Lovely. And this is, look, if you'd like to um, have a consultation with Dr. Mark Janutzis, as I said, he's actually in Randwick um, at the Prince of Wales Private Hospital. You can check him out on our website. Just type his name into the search bar. Or you can also send us an email to info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or you can even email us. Thank you so much. Thank have you. Have a great day. Thank Bye. Bye. The Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. For more information, visit plasticsurgeryhub.com.au or email info at plasticsurgeryhub.com.au. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness. Any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.